Tonight, a Friday night outing ends in tragedy after three young men go missing in Souk. Plus, Best $600 I ever spent. Escaping an ordeal that's not over with many still trapped at a BC mountain resort. And the American Super Bowl commercials Canadian viewers won't see. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with tragic developments in the search for three missing men on Vancouver Island. A truck linked to the trio of missing men from Souk has been found and two bodies recovered. Corey Mills, Eric Blackmore, and Anthony A.J. Jensen, all 20 years old, were reported missing yesterday. Police say the three friends were last seen at a home on Otter Point Road Friday. At around 11 o'clock that night, they left in a 2004 Blue Dodge Dakota pickup truck. RCMP say the truck was located near Souk River Road this afternoon, and the bodies of what are believed to be two of the missing men were recovered. Police and Juan de Fuca Search and Rescue are still looking for the third man. To the latest now on the flood damage and people trapped at a resort. Major equipment is being used to rebuild the only road in and out of Sasquatch Mountain Resort in the Hemlock Valley near Agassiz. Hemlock Valley Road gave way late Friday after a storm dropped as much as 140 millimeters of rain, taking out a one kilometer stretch of the road. Well, now the race is on to get a single lane viable, but that could take up to six days. So uh, we're still looking at a, a number of days uh, before it's, it's fully opened. Uh, we're optimistic and, and pushing hard uh, uh, in uh, conjunction with our maintenance contractor uh, to try to get it open as soon as possible. Uh, uh, there will be a, a first phase of opening uh, to allow uh, single, uh, single vehicle access uh, just to ensure there's, there's uh, anybody that needs to get out can, can uh, as soon as possible and then we would look for a more fulsome uh, repair. Hundreds of people, guests, employees at the Sasquatch Mountain Resort, as well as residents of the mountain, have been trapped ever since Friday's slide. The only way to get off the mountain now is by helicopter, a ride that costs each passenger $150. Grace Key has more. A landslide left them stranded on Sasquatch Mountain Ski Resort near Agassiz. And with news it could take five days to clear the road, many guests hopped on a helicopter to get back home. With no power and 17 people in a cabin, so... 17 people? Yeah, so we got out. Best $600 I ever spent. Crystal Frenzy was supposed to be at the resort for only a day to help make sandwiches for a ski event. That turned into two nights after she was the first one to come across the slide. And it happened, we think, a couple of minutes before I came down because there was another family I was talking to that were up just minutes before I left. It was probably a good thing I didn't make it past that because the road was pretty bad past that. The slide hit Friday night after the region got pounded with heavy rain, blocking the only road in and out of the resort. Up to 500 people were trapped, including permanent homeowners. By mid-afternoon Sunday, BC Hydro restored power. Now that the power's on, I think that's reduced the concern quite a bit. And the fact that we do have this option of the helicopters bringing in supplies in as needed uh, definitely alleviates some of that stress. The resort restaurants have remained open and departing guests have been passing off food and supplies to those left behind. Helicopters are also delivering medication to guests. But we've got a bit of a redneck highway going on, a whole bunch of lumberjacks down below in the valley uh, teamed together with their quads and started bringing up fuel. So it's really cool to see everybody pull together. 
Helicopter companies also pitched in. TRK helicopters charged $150 a seat, covering only the cost of fuel and the pilot. You know, it's a tough time for the families up there that want to come down, so the last thing we want to do is price gouge them just to make a couple dollars. The smiles make it worth it, that's for sure. Two to three hundred people ended up helicoptering out of the resort, but they'll eventually have to return to retrieve vehicles and the rest of their luggage. Grace Key, Global News. A scary incident yesterday at Jones Lake, east of Chilliwack. A tree came down on a group of people camping, seriously injuring one man. His friends loaded him onto a vehicle, but when they went to leave, they found the road had been washed out. It was too windy for a standard air ambulance to land, so a Canadian Forces chopper had to be called in. Several branches poked him. One of them actually went right through him, so he was seriously injured. He was conscious. He was talking and that. He was... He didn't look very good, of course, that severe injury, but he was conscious the whole time. His friends had managed to get him in a vehicle, keep him warm, and, you know, helped him out until we could get there. And there's no word on the man's condition tonight. Well, now to the state of emergency in the District of Kent. It was issued yesterday after several roads were washed out, prompting an evacuation order for dozens of homes. Paul Johnson has more. Harrison Lake, where the mountains meet the water. What's mostly idyllic, though, can sometimes turn into this. This is the community of Rockwell Bay on the eastern shore of the lake, where the recent deluge literally caused new rivers to be formed, tearing up the only access road, taking out the water main, and triggering the evacuation of 32 homes. So here's what's been happening in the eastern shore of Harrison Lake, basically creeks far up the mountain slopes here that are not usually a problem, have been blocked from the rock slides. They've created entirely new waterfalls, and the result is this. Gullies cut clean through some people's properties down near the shoreline. Under the road was the, where the water pipes were for people to have their drinking water, and that's all washed out. Donna Wright caught a first-hand glimpse of the damage Saturday and was out surveying the other washout Sunday. She and her husband haven't seen anything this bad in the area in at least 25 years. There is a great big uh, debris field right on the road, and then it was just like raging as if the river was always there and very wide. The mayor of the district of Kent, Sylvia Prager, told Global News Sunday that a geotechnical expert had been doing an assessment most of the day. She expects a team to start making decisions Monday morning on plans to restore water service to the community and make it safe enough for people to come home. In Harrison, Paul Johnson, Global News. In the North Okanagan, residents of a Vernon townhouse complex will be out of their homes for a second night after a small mudslide yesterday afternoon. A geotechnical engineer was called to assess the hillside. Vernon's fire chief says some remediation work will be done before residents are allowed to return on Monday. While water levels are receding on Vancouver Island, the Cowichan Valley remains under a state of local emergency with an evacuation order in effect for some homes in North Cowichan. Kristen Robinson reports on the cleanup after a harrowing 48 hours. Come on, baby! Come on! When France Bornazel and her night worker were rescued from her flooded farm market Friday, three beloved residents were stranded. You got one. Come on! Come on, A trio of goats trapped in high water. Hey, baby, come on, 
I was scared. I was so afraid for them. I didn't want to find my goat dead. That's going like that. Fortunately, locals herded them overnight. I swam across into the goat pen to make sure they were okay. They were up on their little stilts. Hey, baby! He doesn't want to come. Well, it's okay. We got you. All three rescue animals saved again and now resting at the SPCA until water levels recede. It was a little nuts, yeah, yeah it was basically yeah. like the Shemaine's River was coming through the road. Chris Thompson's 31st birthday party ended with guests rescued from rising water. About two in the morning was the highest point and we're like, holy crap, so our friend had a 4 by 4 and he got everybody out. Yeah. We're just rifling through, smashing into my, my car here and hitting over into the walls. Shemanus now recovering from the damaging rush of water. This time it just came in like a flash flood. Vehicles were floating down the road, my RV got soaked, my house came in, it was a river running right through my carport. It, it's all good, everybody is, is alive. While much of their stock is soaked, really sad, there's nothing good in there anymore. It's a heartbreaking. The owners of Russell Farms Market will clear the mud and reopen, not letting the weather take their livelihood. Is the sign still up? <laughs> so that tells you that we're going to have to keep going, right? Yeah. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The Sumas border crossing is also closed due to flooding. Motorists heading to and from the U.S. are being advised to avoid the area and use an alternative crossing. On the Sunshine Coast, crews are working to repair a section of road that washed away during Friday's rainstorm. The 1800 block of Lower Road at Highway 101 in Roberts Creek is impassable. Mission Dam Road is washed out between North End Tunnel and Shalith Squamish Valley Road is closed in both directions due to a washout near Highway 99. The road is open to local traffic, though. Various side roads in the interior are still being impacted by severe weather. Lillooet Pioneer Road is closed in both directions due to a rock slide, and a mudslide has closed Highway 12 between Six Mile Road and Kirby's Flat Road, about 30 kilometers north of Lytton. An environmental group is sounding the alarm again about industrial plastic pellets spilling into local waterways. The Surfrider Foundation says after Friday's heavy rain, plastic pellets flowed into Audley Channel on Anasis Island. The shredded plastic, which looks like sand, is three centimeters deep in some places. Last fall, the group says a three-year study found that thousands of the pellets linked to Metro Vancouver plastic manufacturers are getting into storm drains which feed into the Fraser River and Sailor Sea. This is solidified oil. We always talk about liquid oil being spilled out into our waters. Well, this is actually just as concerning because a lot of these plastic pellets end up draining into the river, being consumed by fish, um, birds, and eventually the humans that eat the fish. The group says it reported the plastic pellet spill to the Environment Ministry's RAP line. The province says it's working to reduce plastics in the marine environment. It's another example of the clash between protecting farmland and supporting commercial interests. The regional district of Okanagan Similkameen is considering going to court to shut down an Oliver business for operating on ALR land. Shelby Tom reports. That's the area in question. The regional district of Okanagan Similkameen is considering taking enforcement action against this business it says is operating illegally on ALR land. These little businesses can become detrimental. Detrimental because Nodal says agricultural land is meant to be protected. It's a slow erosion of farmland that causes the concern both for the ALC and 
and for us in general. According to the RDOS, the Oliver Rental Center relocated to this three-acre property on Sawmill Road in April 2018. It says the property owner continues to operate a vehicle and trailer rental business in contravention of a zoning bylaw. The regional district has voted twice against supporting the property owner's non-farm use application to the Agricultural Land Commission. Now the board will consider seeking a court order to shut down the business. A staff report says reasonable efforts have been made to achieve voluntary compliance. The property owner continues to use the land in contravention of the bylaw, and it recommends that injunctive action be initiated. It's not the first time an Oliver area business has tried to skirt ALR rules. Last fall, Phantom Creek, a multi-million dollar luxury winery, was dealt a blow when the commission denied its application for a fine dining restaurant on ALR land. The other example would be uh, right at the Highway 97, Easy Bins looked to put in a storage on what was a an agricultural commercial piece of property and that failed and they'll have to now repatriate that land back to farming. So, you know, these, these mistakes become extremely costly. As for the fate of the Oliver Rental Center, the board will vote on how to proceed this Thursday. The business did not return a request for comment by deadline. Shelby Tom, Global News. The late Lindsay Buziak is being remembered on Vancouver Island tonight. The realtor was killed 12 years ago in a murder that remains unsolved. Jeff Buziak led the 10th annual Lindsay Buziak Memorial Walk for Justice this morning. His 24-year-old daughter, a realtor, was stabbed to death in 2008 after being lured to a Saanich home by a couple posing as potential buyers. Despite a Crime Stoppers reenactment, a Dateline NBC special and thousands of tips, no arrests have been made. Police say there was premeditation and a possible conspiracy, and investigators are certain there are people who know what happened, but they have yet to come forward. It's just really sad. It's sad that the killers get to walk free. Friends, family, community die. It's not right. Uh, I've been meaning to come out for 10 years. You know, I'm a father. Um, something like this is, is, is devastating. It's heartbreaking, you know, but it's, uh, I think it's important to keep the pressure on. It's a problem that communities across Canada are facing right now. One community in Ontario is coming together after a local business owner said he experienced racism by a customer due to the new coronavirus outbreak. The business owner shared his story with Global News on Wednesday. Global's Mel Melanie Zettler shows us what happened next. Despite the weather, fearless meat in the beach area is getting a lot of foot traffic. How good is the burger? Oh, phenomenal. We live in Mimico. We came all the way down to here to all that way just for this. But the crowd today is here for more than just a great burger. He's a super great guy. And he's a solid dude. He's, you know, the, the irony is that Andy and his wife are Canadians. Andy is the owner of the Flower Centre down the street on Kingston Road. A recent encounter with a customer left him feeling surprised and concerned. Global News spoke to Andy this past Wednesday about the interaction. She asked me, have I been to Wuhan? Of course I said no. And then she asked me, has any of my family been there? Has anyone traveled there and come back recently? And I said, no, not at all. We're all here in Toronto. And, uh, and she started expressing her views. Even though health experts emphasize the risk to Ontarians remains low, coronavirus is causing fear, which can lead to irrational and in some cases, xenophobic or racist behavior. It's why the owner of Fearless Meat decided to do something, something neighborly, 
something fearless. Anybody that goes into uh, Andy's, uh, Andy's uh, store uh, Friday, Saturday or Sunday this week and buys, uh, even if it's just a petunia, they can uh, come into uh, to our restaurant and exchange it for one of our six ounce certified Angus Beefers. Back at the Flower Center, Andy is experiencing the busiest flower selling weekend beyond Valentine's Day. I can't say it enough. Thank you, D Dave. You've saved January. Um, yeah, it's, it's really touching. Tulips and hydrangeas are selling fast and furious. We definitely want to show support in light of the sort of discriminatory and offensive comments that have been related to coronavirus. So the community is rallying, coming together. We're picking up some flowers. My wife's going to be very happy. The neighborhood that we live in is a is a friendly neighborhood, and it was hard to hard to believe. So I'm here to support. <laughs> We were just at Fearless Meets where we met with people from Young and Eglinton, Mimico, and Mississauga who don't even know you. That's, um, um, I'm speechless. Melanie Zettler, Global News. New details tonight about the flight that will take Canadians stuck in China back to Canada. 325 Canadians in Hubei have registered to leave the epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak. The federal government now says it has chartered a plane and is in the process of finalizing the necessary authorization to land in China and facilitate the Canadians' departure. That plane will then be flown to CFB Trenton in Ontario, where the passengers will be quarantined for up to 14 days. There's still no word on the date of the flight. The Chinese government has put the city of Wuhan under lockdown to try to contain the outbreak. Meanwhile, the first death from the novel coronavirus outside of mainland China has now been confirmed. Officials say a 44-year-old man in the Philippines was taken to hospital on January 25th. Health officials say he had a fever, cough and sore throat before developing severe pneumonia. The Philippines is now banning all travelers from China, joining other countries, including the U.S., Japan and Australia, in implementing temporary travel bans and restrictions. The death toll is rising in China. At least 361 people have now died, with more than 17,000 infected worldwide. A growing number of international airlines are suspending flights from the country, including Qatar and Saudi Arabia. The potentially deadly virus has now been confirmed in more than 25 countries. And China has completed one of two hospitals to treat patients with the novel coronavirus. Reports say the hospital was built eight days ago and can admit patients as soon as Monday. The 1,000-bed facility aims to copy the treatment protocols in Beijing during the 2003 SARS outbreak. And more now on how the coronavirus scare is being felt by business owners across Canada. Travel agencies, restaurants, even grocery stores are feeling the effects. Dan Spector has that. It's nothing like this out there. Eric Koo runs Doby and Andy restaurant in Montreal's Chinatown. Lunchtime is usually busy, but this week things started off really slow. He thinks people may have been scared away by coronavirus. It gradually got better during the week and now it's just normal. At this gift shop, they said things are slower than usual. They weren't the only ones to say so off camera. It's affected, actually. How many trips? James Ma runs a travel agency. He says some of his clients are stranded because of Air Canada suspending all flights to China and that he's being forced to cancel trips that had already been booked. January, February, March, April, I think we'll have no revenue. With no indication of when travel to China will be back to normal, he's expecting a big hit. Dumpling hat. This dumpling shop has not noticed any slowdown, but has seen one difference. People start to panicking and they wear, a lot of people wear masks. 
There have been reports of racism against Chinese Canadians related to the virus, but Calvin Lam said he's just noticed the usual. Coronavirus racism, not yet, but other racism, yes. In spite of tightening travel restrictions and misinformation swirling across Canada, in Vancouver's Chinatown, the biggest in the country, people we spoke to said things seem normal. If someone coughs next to me, it, it's, it comes to my mind, but not really. I haven't noticed anything. Back at Dobie and Andy in Montreal, they feel after a period of alarm, the fear seems to have died down. There's no real reason to stay home and then just came back out, you know? And their hope is that things will continue to be business as usual. Dan Spector, Global News, Montreal. A man fatally shot by police after he went on a stabbing rampage in London was released from prison just days ago after serving time for terror offenses. This afternoon's attack happened in South London. Witnesses say a man armed with a machete walked into a shop and stabbed a man in the stomach before he fled and stabbed a woman on a bicycle. He was wearing a suicide vest, later deemed a hoax, and sparked a bomb scare when he dropped a bag on the road. Go to the back of the store! Go to the back of the store! Get back! There was no explosive device, but undercover officers took no chances and shot him dead. Police say they are confident the suspect is Sudesh Arman, who was in his early 20s. He has served half of a three-year sentence for spreading extremist Islamic material. He'd been under police surveillance at the time of the attack. A tragic turn of events at a church meeting in Tanzania. 20 people, including five children, were crushed to death during a stampede. It happened in Moshi, near the slopes of Mount Kilimanjaro, on Saturday. Hundreds were there to listen to a popular preacher who promises prosperity and cures for sickness. The stampede was caused when the church faithful rushed to walk on anointed oil to be healed. The preacher has since been arrested. Somalia declared a national emergency today as large swarms of locusts spread across East Africa. The United Nations says the swarms are the largest ever seen in Somalia and Ethiopia in 25 years. The desert locust is considered the most dangerous of its species. They fly together by the millions, devouring crops. Somalia's Ministry of Agriculture says the insects pose a major threat to the country's already fragile food security situation. Another sign of our divided society? Not even the rodents can agree on when spring will arrive. Four predictions right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, yesterday we showed you the rescue of a dog on the North Shore. Well, Wisconsin firefighters made a daring rescue on Lake Michigan on Friday morning when Tuff, a 12-year-old English bulldog, fell through the ice. He was spotted struggling in the frigid water 10 feet deep near a yacht club. Thankfully, rescue crews had trained in that exact location two days earlier. A firefighter made his way onto the ice and grabbed hold of the dog. They were both pulled to shore by other firefighters. After some warming up, Tuft is back home safe and sound. Oh, I like a happy ending to an animal story. All right, Yvonne, it's snowing outside.
Yes, depending on where you are, we're still seeing some wet flurries or showers. It is going to ease off. We do have the potential to track some snowfall on Tuesday and accumulating, and I'll have more on the timeline in just a moment. So we are seeing some wet weather. It is going to taper off overnight. Temperatures right now sitting at 4 to the airport, reporting rainfall with an easterly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. And here's what we are tracking. So the moisture across the island, temperatures are cold enough now that we could see flurries, especially higher up and inland. And that's what we'll see just towards the midnight hour and and then overnight, it really will start to ease off. So wet snowfall, too, and potentially up to four centimeters. A look ahead, this will be our Monday. Fantastic. A weak ridge is going to start to build in. That'll be sunshine right across the south coast and pushing in towards the southern interior. But this is a system that has the potential for some snowfall. And the timeline of everything, by tomorrow morning, it's dry. Sunshine for the afternoon. Temperatures will climb up to five degrees as the high. But then overnight and leading in towards Tuesday is when we'll see that shot for some snowfall. And a few models are suggesting that we could see the potential. This is still early, 5 and up to 10 centimeters. This evening, though, if you're traveling along the mountain passes, 2 and up to 4 centimeters is the range. The Coquihallis and flurries, lesser amounts along the connector, and it should be much drier if you're commuting along any of the mountain passes. And here's what one of the models is suggesting. So 5 and potentially up to 10 centimeters. This is still a couple of days out, but that's where we'll see the best shot for some snowfall, and it'll be on Tuesday. A chilly day for the piece tomorrow. The wind chill closer to minus 17. A clearing once again on Tuesday. Most areas near Whitehorse will see a few flurries through the day. The winds are going to ramp up tomorrow with gusts potentially up to 40 kilometers per hour and then snow developing towards the evening. Most areas along the north coast will be staying as rain or a bit of a transition. Inland up to 5 centimetres of snowfall. The winds will pick up for the afternoon along the water, 60 and potentially up to 80 kilometres per hour. And then rain and heavy at times, unsettled for Tuesday, Wednesday. Caribou and central interior, the winds picking up. Gusts of up to 40 kilometres per hour. For tomorrow, though, a heads up, the wind chill will make it feel closer to minus 16. It'll drop off for temperatures on Tuesday, snowfall, and then change back over to rain on Wednesday day up to six degrees. Columbia and Kootenai should remain dry over the next two days. The push of moisture will be late Tuesday and leading in towards Wednesday with some snowfall and the tops in Okanagan. Cloud cover for the morning hours, a few flurries, a clearing on the way, a chilly one tomorrow with the wind chill at minus nine. Snowfall on Tuesday and then snow changing over to rain on Wednesday. Whistler will see a dry day tomorrow. Get out and enjoy it. But if you're traveling along the sea to sky, it's snowfall on Tuesday, changing over to rain on Wednesday. The island will see a chilly one tomorrow. The wind chill closer to minus five and then a few flurries in the mix and then changing over to rain. Very mild on Wednesday though across the island for the southern and eastern half up to 10 degrees. Here's what we'll see for our school day forecast. Hi Barry. We will see some sunshine. Temperatures will be up to two degrees uh, or two in the morning, five for the afternoon with plenty of sunshine but it's the long range forecast so if you're seeing any wet flurries this evening it should start to ease off and then on Tuesday Tuesday, that's we, we do have the potential for some snow changing over to rain for our Wednesday onwards. Colleen? Thank you so much, Yvonne. We'll get to Barry in a second. But first, it's Groundhog Day, the countdown to the end of winter, but some conflicting opinions from the four-legged prognosticators. In Wyerton, Ontario, Wyerton Willie emerged from his burrow and did not see his shadow signaling an early spring. The 134-year tradition has its origins in a German legend that states if the groundhog sees their shadow, we'll have six more weeks of winter. If not, we can expect an early spring. The town's mayor, Janice Jackson, misinterpreted Willie announcing winter was staying put. Fortunately, she corrected herself. I'm going to try this again. What am I saying? 
despite the snow in Calgary, some good news also from Balzac Billy, who did not see his shadow predicting an early spring. Billy sporting a nice vine of flowers to mark spring's early arrival, again, despite the snow. A different prediction in Nova Scotia, where Shubaneki emerged from his shout from his burrow. His village's um, annual Groundhog Day celebration was cancelled due to a storm. But Sam's handlers announced on social media that he did in fact see his shadow so at least six more weeks of winter. And south of the border, Pennsylvania's Poxitani Phil was awakened at around 7.30 to crowds chanting his name. This is the second year in a row that Phil has predicted an early spring. Now historically, the rodents only have a 30 to 40 percent accuracy rate. Regardless, the first official day of spring is March 19th. Okay, this is not something you see every day, at least we hope not. And he's Cody Man donning his Speedo to water ski down a residential street in Fernie yesterday. A truck towing him through the slush. Lisa Vincent grabbed her phone as you would when she saw the Speedo daredevil, hoping that he'd make another pass, and he did. Oh, my goodness. Mm, takes a lot of confidence to wear a Speedo any time of year. Any time, especially in the slush. <laughs> yes, especially in the cold. <laughs> take, okay. take it away. <laughs> All right. I have no segue to the connects from that. <laughs> Thank you, Colleen. Well, it's not often the Super Bowl gets uh, bumped from the lead story, but when you're playing like the Canucks, you deserve the spotlight. Canucks were riding a five-game win streak heading into Carolina today, and although that streak did come to an end, the Canucks did the next best thing. They got the game to a shootout and lost, so they get a loser point. 4-3 the final. They get three out of four points on the road against the Islanders and Hurricanes on back-to-back -back matinee games is more than acceptable. And the Canucks lead atop the Pacific has now grown to three points over the second-place Oilers. Elias Pettersson scored 26 goals en route to winning Rookie of the Year honors. Reunited with uh, Brock Besser on the lotto line today. Canucks open the scoring. It's Pettersson who wheels and fires. His team leading 22nd, one nothing. Canucks after one. Early in the second, though, Carolina really came out strong. Nino Niederreiter will backhand it from the slot. Little spinorama there past Thatcher Demko to tie it 1-1. And then a few minutes after that, Jacob Slavin will fire from the point. Rebound right to Sebastian Ajo, left unchecked, and he fires it home. His 26th, all Carolina to start the second. They led 2-1. Canucks reeling a bit, and it could have been worse. They give up the shorthanded chance. It's Ajo one more time in alone, but Demko, great save to uh, guard the five-hole there. Canuck goaltending has been superb, as we know, the past couple of months. Kept the Canucks in the game, and right on cue, Oscar Fantenberg is stopped, but his defense partner, Tyler Myers, what's he doing up there? Following up the play, sticks it in. It's great when it works. Uh, his sixth of the year for the big man, 2-2 two -two after two. Third period, great goal here by Andrei Svechnikov. Power and speed takes it to the net, walks around Quinn Hughes, which is not easy, buries it top shelf. Svechnikov, a talented young player, 3-2 Carolina. But the Canucks have a pretty talented young man, too. Elias Pettersson, second of the game, 23rd of the year from the sharp angle. What a great feed there by J.T. Miller. Ties it at three overtime. The Canes carry most of the play, but another great save by Demko to rob Tavo Teravainen. So it's off to the shootout we go, and the Canucks score the first goal after the Canes missed on their first attempt, and it's Pedersen who really had it going today. Look at these moves on James Reimer. Had him in knots, advantage Canucks, but the Canes tied it, and then 
took the lead in the shootout, the ageless Justin Williams, 38 years old. Great shot here to beat Demko. Bo Horvat has to score, and when we say that, you know he won't. Stop by Reimer. Canucks still get a point. Three out of four from the weekend against two quality opponents. Very good job. Canucks now lead the Pacific by three. Next stop, Boston on Tuesday. Super Bowl 54 pitted two very dynamic teams, the 49ers and Chiefs, and we expected fireworks. We certainly expected more than last year's dud between the Patriots and Rams. Maybe the worst Super Bowl ever as far as entertainment value. Could the Chiefs' explosive offense solve the 49ers' aggressive defense? Chiefs' first Super Bowl appearance in half a century, 50 years ago, the last time they made it to the big game. They were down 3 nothing in the first, fourth down, but check out that Temptations-like choreography throwing off the 49ers. They go for it on fourth down, and they do get the first down. And then Patrick Mahomes finishes off the drive with this one-yard TD run. Mahomes so dangerous running the ball as well as passing 7-3 Kansas City. Meanwhile, Jimmy Garoppolo trying to get it back, but he is... Picked off by Bashad Breeland. Not even close to the receiver there. That led to a Chiefs field goal. They led 10-3, but credit Garoppolo. He does get it back as he finds the fullback Kyle Juszczyk, who takes it in for the 15-yard touchdown. 10-10 at the half. Only the fourth time in 54 Super Bowls. It's been tied at the half. Go to the halftime entertainment. How about some Shakira? We know her hips don't lie. Very trusting backfall here into the crowd. And... Continuing the superstar Latino theme in Miami, Jennifer Lopez. J-Lo bringing it strong as usual. Both ladies putting on a great show for their fans and all the Super Bowl watchers around the world. Looking for some more offense in the second half, but defense is making the big plays. Patrick Mahomes, this doesn't happen often. Picked off by Fred Warner. He's been intercepted twice so far in this game. Jimmy Garoppolo then goes to work. A 26-yard dart over the middle to Kendrick Bourne down to the 10 and then a couple of plays later Raheem Mostert will barrel in from a yard out and the Niners grinding out a 2010 lead going to the fourth Casey has just scored a touchdown though so it's going to come down to the wire 2017 with just a few minutes to play Look at your snow report for tonight. One new centimeter for both Grouse and Sasquatch. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 246 and Cypress 270. 18 new centimeters for Manning Park. Six for Revelstoke, Fernie 5 and Kicking Horse 7. Big White a base of 275. Eight new centimeters for Silver Star. Three for Sun Peaks and Apex 23. One new centimeter for Mount Washington. Seven for Whitewater and Red Mountain. And Powder King 12 new centimeters. It does. Okay, because the Canadian broadcast of the Super Bowl did not run the U.S. commercials, we thought we would choose some of the best and show them to you. So, here's actor Jason Momoa like you have never seen him, followed by a spot that might make you cry, and then finally, musical artist Lil Nas X in a commercial that might make you laugh. What does home mean to me? It's my sanctuary. It's the one place... Oh, I can let my guard down. That's where I can just kick back and be totally comfortable in my own skin. You know what I'm saying? Rocket Mortgage understands that home is where I can be myself. And that feels pretty darn good. Oh. The ancient Greeks had four words for love. 
The first is philia. Philia is affection that grows from friendship. Next, there's storge. The kind you have for a grandparent. Or a brother. Let's go. Third, there's eros. The uncontrollable urge to say, I love you. The fourth kind of love is different. It's the most admirable. It's called agape. Love has an action. It takes courage, sacrifice, strength. For 175 years, we've been helping people act on their love so they can look back or look ahead and say, we got it right. We did good. Cowboy. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached, head is mad at black, got the bushes black to match, riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your Porsche, I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that Porsche now, can't nobody tell me next <laughs> uh, have to say I don't I don't think that commercials were as good this year yeah last year seems whole. better yeah Harry? Uh, I can't remember what happened <laughs> yesterday you're Never too mind focused last on year. the game yeah. I understand okay oh, yeah, Casey's back up front now. quick uh, word on the weather potential snow will be on Tuesday a nice dry day for tomorrow oh goodness all right thanks for joining us take care was the snow